the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here, broadcasting from my office here in San Jose. First of all, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to the composer of my uh, show music. Uh, The song is called American Millennium. It's from the album Moonlight by my friend uh, John Taylor. Uh, John is uh, younger than I am, but uh, I worked with him many, many years ago. I'm thinking now it's over 40 years ago with the San Jose Children's Musical Theater, now just Children's Musical Theater. And uh, when he was uh, one of the kids working on the shows, I was one of the college students working on the shows. And I remember him uh, as uh, being a fun kid um, when he was a 10-year-old, and now he's an adult man and a composer and musician. And uh, I love listening to his album, Moonlight, and that music, American Millennium, which is my uh, show music. He very graciously uh, indicated that I could use it, and he was very happy to let me use it. Uh, Like I said, we go back a long way. And if you can ever find his album, Moonlight, uh, I'd suggest getting a copy and listening to it. It's some really, really good stuff. He's a very talented piano player and, um, and composer as well as a fantastic singer. Well, I want to let you all know that uh, after uh, being on hiatus for, what is it, since March of last year, let's say it's March, May, June, so that's like 15, 15 months, I'm actually bringing back a live seminar here in San Jose. It will be uh, actually an estate planning workshop where I'll be covering um, a number of the reasons why you should do estate planning. But I will also be uh, using the workshop to engage with the attendees and have them go through the um, planning priorities for estate planning that are important to them. And the idea is to work through that, answer questions, and maybe give more insights to people, uh, especially uh, who may not have even considered some of the issues that may be impacting their lives. The seminar is going to be Saturday morning. Seminar, the workshop. Workshop is going to be Saturday morning, July 17th, from 9 o'clock till about 10.30. Uh, It's going to be at the Silicon Valley Business Center, which is on Camden Avenue, 
Camden Avenue near Lee, um, just a couple of blocks from my office here in San Jose. They have a very large, nice conference room there. I have uh, set it up so that up to 40 people may attend, and I will have handout materials for up to 40 people attending, including my uh, brochure, the California Consumer Guide to Wills, Living Trusts, and Estate Planning, which uh, I had developed several years ago, and I revise annually when there are changes in the law and other issues that come up. That will be free to anyone who attends. And uh, I will say that uh, if you have been vaccinated, feel free to attend and uh, without wearing a mask. I will not be wearing a mask myself. I've been vaccinated. I'm going to use the honor system. If you want to attend and you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, you are perfectly welcome to do so. Um, I have no problem with that. Some people are uh, comfortable with that. Some people are not comfortable with that. Some people are comfortable without a mask on now. Some are uncomfortable without a mask on. So um, it's going to be open. It's going to be wide open. There will be some spacing in the room. It can hold up to 60 people, but we're only going to go with 40 so that seating is a little bit more spread out so that people can have a higher level of comfort. I would love to have 40 people attending my workshop on Saturday morning, the 17th. There's no charge. You can go to Eventbrite and search for Estate Planning Workshop, and you'll find it there. Or you can go to my website at lawbob.com and look under Resources, where you will find my workshops. And there's a description of the workshop there, and then a link to register through Eventbrite. Um, I'm allowing up to six tickets per registration. So if you want to come with your spouse, if you want to come with your significant other, if you want to come with your adult children, um, because you think you should all be there at the same time, uh, if you need more than six tickets, then just have someone else register another time. Uh, the space is limited. Once I reach capacity of the 40 tickets, um, lockups will only be permitted if people who have registered did not show up for uh, for the start. So if you didn't register and there's no tickets left, you can always take a shot at coming by and uh, we may be able to accommodate you, but I can't guarantee that. So um, those of you who have been listening to the show for a couple of years now, you know that I regularly gave live seminars and workshops, um, typically working out of my office, occasionally working out of a public, more public venue uh, like the Camden Community Center. Um, I've done presentations at churches and for um, for social organizations. Uh, I've done them at um, at schools and and uh, and I'm available if you have an organization, um, or a group that you think might benefit from having a presentation like this, uh, feel free to give me a call at 408-247-0444 or email me at rpb at lawbob.com and let me know. And I'll be happy to talk with you about bringing a presentation like this out to your group. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm excited to be back 
doing a live workshop, uh, and that's going to be in about three weeks. So that's July 17th, and uh, and hopefully you'll be able to find time to come uh, and join me on that morning and uh, learn some things about estate planning and learn whether or not estate planning is is a good idea for you or not. And like I said, there's no obligation for this. I'll have materials to hand out that are free for you to take home and read over, highlight and underline to your heart's content. But um, I'm very excited about uh, about actually finally coming back and having a live workshop and seminar again. So, um, so I'm going to jump into the show today. Uh, I've got roughly a minute and a half until the end of the first segment today. Sorry to go on and on about my workshop coming up, but I'm excited about it. I'll, I'll be very blunt. I'm excited about it. It'll be good to be back up there, kind of like good to be in Disneyland, which is where I was last week with my family. Um, and it did my heart good to see people walking around without masks on, no social distancing on the ground, no plexiglass anymore. Everybody was living their lives. So I have one quick question before the first break today. Someone asked out of Sunnyvale, which is here, of course, in my area, what does it mean if I waive an accounting in regards to my mom's estate? Does it mean that if later on there's financial compensation, I won't receive any? No, what that means is if you waive an accounting, it means you're not going to require the person in charge of the estate to do a formal written accounting of everything in the estate, monies paid out and everything else. It's more informal and that can save money for an estate when you waive an accounting. It doesn't mean that you don't get what you're entitled to receive in the estate. So it doesn't mean that at all. All right, this is first break for the show today. When we come back, I'll continue with Blander Estate Radio with your host, Attorney Bob Bergman. See you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with my usual format today. Although I will throw out, if you'd like to call in, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you'd like to give me a call, I'd be happy to take your question on the air. Okay, uh, so here's someone asking uh, out of Gilroy, says, What can I do next if the trustee of my father's living trust hasn't complied with the judge's order for him to provide a full accounting for me? It's going to be three years next month. Uh, he was supposed to turn it in uh, yesterday, but hasn't done it. He's also per- supposed to file a notice of a proposed action on the house where I'm a beneficiary. He also put the house on the market without letting me know. Uh, tried to show the house on a Sunday when I was having my son's fourth birthday party. That didn't turn out good. Then he came with someone and served me with a domestic violence restraining order. I'm concerned he's going to sell the house and not give me my share. He won't let me buy the home. There's a lot of stuff to unpack here. I think the main thing is if the uncle's the trustee and it's been three years and he hasn't complied with his obligations as a trustee, at some point you may have to go to court and ask that he be removed as the trustee in charge of the trust. 
that may be the only real recourse this person has. Now here's uh, one out of Watsonville. It says, my mother's refinancing our home with a different bank and the new bank is asking for a copy of um, the living trust that mom has. So my mom had a mortgage with bank one and is refinancing with bank two. Bank two saw there's a living trust, asked for a copy. I provided the copy of the trust to them. Did I make a mistake? Can this cause any conflict or legal problems? They said it wouldn't change anything, but that it would facilitate inheriting the home if any of the grantors were to pass. Is this true? Well, I'll tell you, providing the bank a copy of the trust doesn't facilitate anything as far as inheritance goes. It's, in my opinion, it's just the bank getting nosy about what one of their borrowers has as their estate plan. Personally, I don't think banks have any right to ask for a copy of someone's living trust. It is a private, confidential document. The law says you can provide them a certification of trust, which is information about the trust sufficient to satisfy um, the requirement that they be notified that the trust exists, who's in charge of it, and that the person has the authority to be borrowing money against property owned by the trust. Beyond that, disclosing who your beneficiaries are, who your um, how you want to distribute property, any special terms and conditions, that's private. That's nobody else's damn business. And I mean that emphatically. Um, this is a trend now with banks that really, really angers me because I think they are overreaching and I think they're actually violating California law when they're insisting on copies of a trust document when there is a section of our probate code, 18100.5 to be precise, that says that a certification of trust that they are that is sufficient for them to rely on and and if in insisting on not honoring that or insisting on more, if there is a loss that is suffered by the borrower, for example, because they weren't able to get their loan and they lost their loan rate or they lost their commitment or they couldn't complete the purchase of a house or something like that, they might actually be able to go after the bank for insisting on documentation that's not really required by law. So that is my little rant about that. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of the major commercial banks. Uh, why suggest people work with the smaller community banks that are not going to insist on nonsense like that? Maybe even work with their credit unions um, that won't insist on nonsense like that. It's really the major banks. And here, without using names, this was a major bank that was asking for this. And, but pretty much they're all doing it. I think they kind of think that somehow their procedures and policies and requirements are greater than the laws of the state in which they do business. And that's really not the case, but they seem to think it's the case. So it's not an unusual thing at all. At all. Okay, um, here, I have an adult child I want to disown. Is that possible? We'll start with that. Yes. 
Um, you can do it with a minor child, too. You can do an estate plan that explicitly disinherits that, um, that child, if that's what you want. So here it says, I don't want him to collect my Social Security. He had special needs and I adopted him. Can I stop this from happening? I don't think there's any way to stop him collecting Social Security uh, if he is a disabled person and would otherwise be entitled to collect some Social Security benefits when, when the father or mother uh, passes away. There's no real way to stop that. If you adopted this person, this person is your child, whether it's a son or daughter. I happen to be adopted myself, and I'm every bit the the child of my parents and the brother of my sisters as anyone born naturally to them. Um, that's just the way the law, law works. So, yes, you can disinherit a person like this, but there's really nothing you can do to deny them any government benefits that they might otherwise be entitled to from Social Security or any other government program. Okay, let's see. Um, all right, here. Um, can a judge change a will if the children have been out of the person's life for eight months prior by choice due to them robbing her? So this person said they were taking care of of a widowed lady, uh, a widow for the past seven years after her husband passed away. Her adopted kids who live in the same town wouldn't even answer her calls unless they wanted something from her. After she took a bad fall in 2017, they decided to step in and keep her in her retirement home until they took power and control over her money. When they brought her home again, they had no time for her. I again stepped up and took care of her. I bought her groceries for the past four years, as well as prepared her meals, cleaned her house, yard work, and took her to her appointments. When she realized what was going on, Adult Protective Services came out, and she told them they'd been stealing from her. She asked me to please see they don't ever get another dime from her. What can I do to follow her wishes? Well, if this lady's still competent, she can come to someone like me and uh, and do an estate plan that says those adopted children of hers don't get one thin dime from her when she passes away. Um, that's the way to do that. Similar to that other person that wanted to disown the adult child, this lady could do that with her children as well. Okay, we're at the bottom of the hour, and uh, we'll be coming back after a commercial break here. We'll continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is Attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll talk with you on the other side of the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, you can always call in if you'd like, 800-516-1220, and I'll be happy to take your question on the air. But no one calling in at this point, so I'm going to continue on. All right, uh, from Southern California, my mother has three living children. The middle sister took my mother to an attorney four years ago and had everything put in her name. She said it was my mother's wishes. 
my older sister and I have been left out. The next day, my mother was in the hospital with an infection. My mother's told my older and sister myself many times that's not what she intended. Okay, this is four years ago. We'll start with that. It's four years after something happened that probably was not probably was not appropriate. Um, what I would tell people is if you have a parent that just decides to put an, another child on everything with them, uh, that could be an indication that the child is exercising undue influence on the parent and is taking advantage of them, especially if the parent is elderly. Uh, in a situation like this, uh, especially if the mother says that's not what she intended, this may be a time to get Adult Protective Services involved, uh, complain to them or have the mother complain to them, and uh, and get this sorted out to see whether or not the middle child acted inappropriately four years ago in dealing with the mother and maybe took advantage, financial advantage of her and that that should perhaps be reversed in some way by uh, by a court because it would likely take a court to reverse it if there's been an actual change of title. So that's something that, that I would suggest right there. Okay. Let's see. All right. My sister had trust papers. She gave them to me after my father died, which was three years too late. Now my other two sisters are trying to sell the house to my sister and leave me out of it. I don't think that's fair. I was taking care of dad till he passed. My sister wasn't around for about 15 years. Thinks she has all the rights to take over dad's house. My dad didn't want her to have anything with the house. And that's why she never came around. Uh, she hated my dad. Okay, here, if there's a trust, then the terms of the trust dictate just how properties to be distributed. If someone's in charge of the trust and is going to sell property and not follow the trust, that's a violation of the trust and perhaps even a violation of law. This person needs to get an attorney, contact whoever is in charge of the trust, and insist on everything being above board insist on a copy of the trust, insist on all the things that you're entitled to if you're a beneficiary, and if the trustee is not forthcoming, it may be necessary to go to court and request that the judge remove this person as the trustee in charge and perhaps put in an independent, unbiased third party in charge of the trust so that uh, it will be followed and the father's wishes in the trust will be followed. Okay, so here we go. Um, how do I get a copy of a trust with an attorney that has been disbarred? Hmm, that does come up now and then. Uh, I even know a couple of attorneys over the years that I knew them and they ended up being disbarred uh, for one reason or another. Usually because they um, they stopped representing people. They took money and the, they didn't do the work they were going agreed to do, or um, or they actually took client money, put it in their pocket instead of giving it to the client. Okay, uh, my sister and her son came to my sister's estate, took her documents, uh, and then then my sister ended up named in. Um, 
in the other sister's trust, and I think there was fraud involved. Okay. Well, you can't just get a copy of a trust from a lawyer, uh, even if the lawyer drafted the trust. The trust is the property of the client that hired the lawyer to do the estate planning. And uh, even even if you are a beneficiary of a trust or believe that you're a beneficiary, if you contact the attorney that drafted the trust for your parent, for example, they can't release a copy of that to you, even if your parent has passed away, because their duty is to your parent. The trustee on the trust is the only one that can really come to them uh, to request a copy of the trust or do the administration of the trust. Um, so, and I'm speaking as an estate planning attorney, I can't just hand out copies of legal documents that I drafted for somebody unless they authorize it or unless their duly appointed successor trustee takes over and then authorizes it. In fact, part of the process of administering a trust after someone's died is for the trustee to provide a copy of the terms of the trust to everybody who is a beneficiary of the trust and also provide to um, to uh, anyone who would have been an intestate heir of the person who died. That, that's someone who would have inherited from them if there was no trust at all, which could include someone who has been disbarred, not disbarred, disinherited by the person who created the trust. They're still entitled to a, a copy of the terms of the trust, uh, which I have interpreted to be a copy of the trust itself. Um, but that's, you can't just come to someone like me and say, I want a copy of my parents' trust after the parent died. I can't release that. It's, it still is a confidential document. I have no authority to just release it to a family member just because they ask for it. It doesn't really work that way. Okay. All right, let's see. Interesting. So, um, when a trust said it will pay HEMS for the beneficiary, what does that mean? HEMS is an abbreviation for Health, Education, Maintenance, and Support. It is a standard that you'll find in the Internal Revenue Code and Regulations. Uh, it's called an ascertainable standard for distribution because those categories, health, education, maintenance, and support, can uh, all be quantified. You can actually come up with a dollar amount for each one of those things where someone may have a need. What does that mean to a beneficiary? Am I to understand that the beneficiary just can't call up the trustee and say, hey, I saw an ad for the sale of stars in the skies. I want to buy one. Can you send the money to my bank? Or, hey, I just got a bill for my water. If I don't pay, the water company's going to turn it off. Can you send the funds to the water company to cover the amount due? Well, in the first case, uh, that's ridiculous. Um, you don't need to purchase a star in the sky. There's really no one who would need to do that. In the second case, though, I have a water bill. If I don't pay the water company, they're going to turn my water off. Well, that'd be a maintenance and support need right there. What it really comes down to is HEMS covers things that someone actually truly needs, not what they want, 
And an example I use is if uh, if you're an engineer, uh, software engineer working at Google or Facebook, and uh, you have a need for transportation to get to and from work, you don't need a Ford F-250 pickup truck to do that. Um, you might need a Ford F-250 pickup truck if you're in a trade, if you're a carpenter or an electrician or a contractor or a plumber, and you need a truck to carry your supplies, your tools to and from job sites, maybe even going off-road, cross-country to a job site, and you need a truck to do that. Software engineer doesn't really need a truck um, any more than you might need a Mercedes-Benz or a Tesla or something like that. So really, the question comes down to, do you really literally need something that's for your health, for ed for your education, for your maintenance and support? That is what HEMS is for. And if people are honest with themselves, they will be able to separate out what they truly need from what they just want. We have all gone to the store and said to ourselves, boy, I really need that. And then you buy it and the next day you go back and, and you look and you say, why did I buy that? I didn't need that. Yes, that's that's true. So that's really kind of what we're talking about there. Uh, a lot of people... Uh, focus on, yeah, you know, I really need something when they really don't need something. And so that's, um, so the HEMS standard is providing for someone's needs, not for their wants or wishes or what they hope to get. That's pretty much how it is. There's no absolute rules. It's mostly common sense. And of course, you know, some people lack common sense, so that can be a problem. <laughs> That's why you have a trustee in charge that is supposed to exercise that discretion. But often a trust will have a trustee that's a third-party trustee that has the discretion to make distributions for any reason whatsoever. And, uh, and that still can be for HEMS, but it could be for something that might be a little frivolous or a little trivial and not really something that the person needed. And uh, that can often be a better way to draft a trust is to give an independent trustee the discretion to make distributions for any reason. Okay, we're coming up on the final break for our show today. When I come back, I'll wrap up the show with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So stay tuned for the final segment of the show, and uh, then we'll wrap it up. Talk with you after the final break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Well, we're in the final segment of our show today, and I'm going to finish up with a handful, small handful of additional questions and comments from around the state of California, and then I will wind things up uh, fairly shortly here. Okay, so what happens if the grantor of a trust dies leaving a mortgage on a property? 
instead of selling the property, can the beneficiaries or the trustee continue to pay the mortgage? It's an interesting question because uh, kind of as a general rule, when someone dies, if if the beneficiaries just continue paying the mortgage, there's no real way that the lender really becomes aware that the person that borrowed the money has passed away. Uh, I've run into this situation a number of times over the years where um, where a family member is living in a home and they just pick up and they start paying the mortgage and everything and they maybe never even do anything to change the title on the property. That can be a real issue. Um, I would say that if there's a mortgage on the property and the mortgage has a higher interest rate than what new mortgages have, um, talking to the lender, they may be very, very happy to let the beneficiaries assume that mortgage and keep paying it because it means as a as a lender, they're actually getting more interest on that mortgage every year than what they would get if they took that money and loaned it out to somebody new at a lower interest rate. So that's a practical answer right there. Um, as a general rule, uh, if you're not going to sell the property, then you need to go back and and you should go back to the lender and ask them whether or not you can assume the mortgage. If they say you can't and you can't get a loan on your own, well, then it may be that you do need to sell the property. But uh, a lot of people just do it unofficially and uh, just don't bother to tell the lender that mom or dad died and they just keep making the mortgage payments and uh, the lender is not any the wiser. I'm not advising people to do that. I'm just saying a lot of people do that and sometimes they do that for many, many years. Now, there's issues with whether or not you do that, whether you can actually write off the interest on the mortgage if it's not your mortgage, uh, whether you can write off the property taxes and insurance um, um, if it is a, you know, like declare the property taxes, write those off, uh, or if it is a rental property of some kind, whether or not you can do that. Uh, if you don't actually have the title ownership, that's a tax issue right there. I'm not going to go into that. But those are just some of the issues that can come up uh, when someone dies and leaves real estate that still has a loan against it, a mortgage against it. Okay, here, someone said, how can I protect, protect an annuity I inherited from my mother as sole beneficiary? I have four siblings. My father's still alive. Two siblings when it divided. My mother did not leave a will. Okay, well... If mom had an annuity and said, I'm giving this annuity to my daughter, Jane, and she didn't name the other three or the other, in this case, the other four children, it belongs to Jane. It doesn't matter if mom had a will or not. If she named Jane, the daughter, as a beneficiary of her annuity, She's the beneficiary of the annuity. That's just kind of the end of it right there. And what the other siblings want doesn't really matter because they have no claim to any of that annuity if mom designated a beneficiary on it. Now, if dad is still alive, he might have a claim to half of that annuity if, in fact, the annuity was acquired 
with community funds, funds from the marriage, um, because that would mean half the money that went into it came from dad. And unless he actively agreed with mom that the daughter Jane could receive that, um, he, he may have a claim to half of the annuity because he contributed half to that annuity. Um, so in any event, uh, that is just something to consider right there. Now, we're we're coming up on the end of the show today. I, I wanted to kind of repeat what I launched the show with today, which is I have a live estate planning workshop coming back on July 17th, 9 o'clock in the morning to about 10.30 in the morning. It's going to be at the Silicon Valley Business Center, which is on Camden Avenue near Lee Avenue in San Jose, a couple of blocks from my office. Um, They have a large conference room there, and I have set aside the time on that Saturday morning, July the 17th, um, so that I can do a presentation on reasons to do estate planning and then also going through an interactive presentation with the people who attend, going through and trying to identify for each of them what reasons they have for estate planning that might be a priority to them. Uh, You can go to my website at lawbob.com, go to resources, and then workshops and seminars. You can register there, or you can go to eventbrite.com, search for estate planning workshop, and you'll find my workshop there, and you'll be able to register there. It's limited to 40 people attending. I hope I have 40 people there. I'll be handing out uh, very useful materials for everybody. But until then, and until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Hope you have a great weekend. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.